Hello and welcome to the Curator Salon podcast. I'm Geeta Joshi. My guest today is Betsy Enzensberger, all the way from California. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. If you're not familiar with Betsy's work, she makes these fabulous resin melting lollipops, popsicles. They're absolutely joyous, really fun. I really enjoy them. Betsy, where did you train? How did you start? You know, what, what's your background in art? Well, uh, my mother is an artist. My grandfather was an artist. The arts are in my family for sure. My mother was an art teacher for 25 years. So um, she always had me doing creative things. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. I was allowed to create. So naturally that was just my happy place. When it came time to going to college, I really, you know, obviously enjoyed and excelled in art, but my mind was also very scientific. So I majored in abstract painting and biology just to kind of balance my mind out. And also because my father didn't think it was a real major art. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I studied abstract painting at uh, Tulane University in New Orleans. Um, wasn't necessarily an art school, but they had a wonderful art program and I had a wonderful mentor there who, um, was pretty widely known in the area as, uh, you know, with some of the larger galleries. Um, but since then, uh, other, you know, I was creating, creating on my own. And when I began experimenting with resin, this mystery material about 10 years ago, I got to a point where there wasn't any way I could advance my skill level without studying under somebody else, a master resin artist. So I was lucky enough to find a local master resin artist who has worked with some of the best, uh, most widely known resin artists in the world out here in Southern California. I also got to meet, you know, Peter Alexander, who recently passed away, Larry Bell, some of the best of the best. Um, so I'm so honored to have, you know, talked to these people, been in that circle, but also studied under somebody, you know, within those, that level of sculptor. So he really, um, his name is Eric Johnson, my mentor, and he really taught me how to go large, how to make large molds, how to, uh, ah, basically everything I how to be safe how to um you know I'm always I want to rush through things he says you know there's no shortcuts in resin if you don't do one step you have to start from scratch there's no shortcuts so it, it's a dirty messy toxic process but I enjoy it I enjoy the challenge it provides on a daily basis it's always uh, overcoming obstacles and injuries <laughs> When you when you first started working with resin, I mean, were you like a studio assistant for Eric or something? How did that work? Uh, I well, I was working with the resin myself, doing smaller castings for ooh, I don't know, five ish years. And when I started working with Eric, he would just kind of hand me some of his unfinished work and say, "Okay, I'm going to teach you how to sand this. We're going to sand it from one." 
you know, from, from the straight out of the mold sculpture to polishing, this is how you're going to learn. And, you know, he'd say, don't worry, you're going to mess up. But, you know, don't, don't feel bad about it. Just mess up, ask me lots of questions and we'll figure it out. And I mean, he was so, so, so patient with me because I am that person that asks a hundred questions nonstop. I really thought he was going to just kick me out of the studio because I just asked so many questions, but he loved it and, you know, taught me everything. I would have never, ever dreamed of uh, doing the things that he taught me. It's, it's really, it was life-changing. So amazing. What were, you, what were your original sculptures? Because obviously I know you mostly for the melting ices, the ice cream mm-hmm, cones, mm-hmm. the lollipops, all of that stuff. What, what, what were you doing originally? It was a little, I, I did all the little stuff on my own, the smaller um, ice pops, and I was sculpting melting ice cream, you know, scooped ice cream. All That was all stuff I was doing before I met him. He showed me how to go large. That was something I dreamed of, but had no clue how to do. So we, um, we worked on getting sculptures to the, uh, two and a half foot size. Uh, don't know how much that is in centimeters. (laughs) Uh, and now I'm at the point where I'm at the six foot size. So, and I do know that's 1.8 meters. So, uh, (laughs) I looked that up. Yeah, so, you know, bigger and bigger, and it, it's, it's a different process with each size, um, different resins, different technique, everything. Um, but before I met him, yes, I was doing small, the smaller pieces, which I still do. They're just, they're more and more refined every year, more refined, newer designs. Um, I'm always trying to do better new things. It always seems like there's different embellishments to, as, as well, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. they've got sprinkles, other times there's there's an iridescence or a glitter in there. Mm-hmm. Most of that comes from somebody saying, oh, hey, can you put some crystals on this for me? And then I said, oh, you are genius. And then, of course, I credit them <laughs> with the idea and I go my own way. Um, recently, I had somebody ask for metal spikes and crystals, which normally I wouldn't put those two next to each other. But wow, what a reaction I got from that. Um, and she was very happy with her sculpture, obviously. And so, you know, going outside of my comfort zone with (laughs) two contrasting feelings and textures and, you know, why not? Amazing though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're, so that's all different materials then sort of set with the resin. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, just going back in your career a bit. So after you left art school, I know you did actually work at a gallery. Yes. How, how was that experience for you? In fact, I worked at a gallery up until March when the pandemic hit. And I still, I still work with them. I still speak with the artists and the owner of the gallery. Um, so when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was an artist. I was still painting back then. And I dreamed of showing my work. So I said, hmm, how am I going to do this? So I thought, well, you know, I'm good at administrative work. Why don't I work in a gallery and get a feel for how they view artists and how artists approach galleries? And back then it was, you know, somebody would bring a printed portfolio to a gallery, which nowadays is just faux pas. You don't do that. (laughs) Um, So 
I learned the business side of it and I've worked in several different types of galleries. So the first one I worked in was very commercial. They did a lot of hospitality projects. So they would have artists paint large quantities of the same thing for hotels and things like that. And so that was interesting to me. And I knew right away that wasn't the kind of art I wanted to do. I did not want to be mass producing my work. I wanted to have everything be unique and special, put a lot of love into each piece. Um, the next gallery I worked at was a nonprofit, totally different feel, of course, um, really out there just to do good for the artists. Um, and that's just such a good thing. And that, I, I love that. I love that um, being able to help artists in any way that I can. Of course, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm always experimenting myself. <laughs> But I do have a couple of tricks here and there, and I've been able to help some artists along the way. Um, the gallery that I kind of currently work at, not so much, they closed actually in the last few months. So, um, but of course I still connect with them. That was just a traditional fine art gallery. They represent artists, they take artists to international art fairs. And in fact, that was the first gallery that ever represented me as an artist. And were you working so, there at the, at the time? That was one of the main reasons why I wanted to work for them was because I was so grateful for everything they did for me. And when I started working at the gallery, I was no longer represented by them. I was represented by a couple of different galleries. So I thought, oh, well, why don't I go in and show some gratitude and help the artists that I already know. And, um, you know, I got to travel around to art fairs with them on the business side, not just the artist side. So a taste of both, really. That's so amazing. Because I know you've also, obviously, any sort of experience working in galleries, you know, being on the selling end of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the environment, all of that must certainly influence the way you on your art business now. Mm -hmm. It's definitely easier to sell other people's art because <laughs> I can just gush about the artists and I love learning about artist techniques and inspiration and conveying that to collectors. When it's me talking about myself, you know, I can't be like, oh, she's fabulous. It just says. <laughs> right, it's just such a thing. Like, I know this is really difficult for so many artists and um, I think a lot of people in business generally, you know, and I've been sort of mm -hmm. encouraged more and more recently to sort of talk about me and my mm -hmm. accomplishments. And it's like, oh, really? And then I have to kind of get out of my comfort zone to do that. But I think in a world of social media, if you haven't got a gallery advocating for you and mm -hmm. all of that stuff, how else would anybody know? Exactly, exactly. And I just tell it like it is. I'm extremely passionate about what I do. Every piece has a title, which has a meaning. And, you know, all the hours of work I put into everything I could talk about for hours. So it's not gushing over my work. It's just explaining what it is and my passion. And I just hope that people connect with my work as passionately as I do. I think of my finished work as my children. <laughs> and when I send, you know, five or six sculptures to a gallery, let's say, I pack them up and I say, okay, kids off to college. And, you know, it's like to their next home until they get their real home. Um, it's kind of cute, but imagine 
working with something, um, sanding something, being so close to that sculpture, um, mostly the larger sculptures, I really, um, I have to really hold and sand and I'm, I, I, it's like dancing. I call it dancing with the sculpture. Because they're human uh, scale, literally, aren't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just did a, uh, um, a bomb pop. It's my new style. And it is 28 inches tall and 18 pounds. Um, you may need to translate that, but it's, uh, it's huge and heavy. And so in order for me to sand it, I really needed to just kind of hold it in my lap like a baby and <laughs> sand. And, um, and, the, and that, of course, took hours and hours and hours and hours. So when I was done, I was like, okay, beautiful, love you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's a dance and they are my children and I, I put so much love into them and I just, yeah, hope that people can see that. So which fairs, um, have your galleries taken you to? Um, the first fair I ever went to was in Hong Kong, the affordable art fair. Which that was so fair. fun because I love to travel. So I said, oh, I'm going. And I just created most of my work. That was the first time I ever made my own crate which I'll never do again because it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that was a really interesting experience. Um, I've done the LA Art Fair and Art Palm Springs, which are local for me, very easy for me to bring really large work. Um, I do the European fairs. I do Battersea, London, Stockholm, Hamburg. Those are all the uh, affordable art fairs. Um, what else? Brussels. Pretty international exposure. That's so cool. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, I love Europe and um, I spend a lot of time in Europe anyway. So any excuse to get out there, <laughs> um, I will travel with my work if I can. Um, I do the affordable art fair in New York as well. And then of course the Miami fairs um, and Palm beach, Florida. So how is that looking for you for this year? Because so many of them have been cancelled. I'm not even sure if affordable Battersea is happening this season. Is it? I don't, well, I don't so know. I don't the last think so. one that I was in before, like that was happening when the pandemic hit. So oh, that's right. At the, um, in the spring one. Yeah, the spring one just kind of got in before yep. the city went into lockdown. Yep. So yeah, that was the last, that was the grand finale. <laughs> and um I had my work with my Australian gallery there, at, but the gallery that I was working for um, was there as well, the American gallery. And a lot of the people, the artists that came back from London, they got COVID-19 on their way back. So it was a big wake up call for, you know, just hunker down and do art until this is safe. Yeah, I know people that were at Battersea in whatever that was, whatever, you know, earlier in the year, mm -hmm. the one that just, like I said, just got in before the lockdown. Yeah. And they were really sick. They, they yes. got it. Yeah. going around people like at that time, masks hadn't been enforced either. Correct. Um, you know, we were just told to keep a little distance between people and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was really, really awful. Um, oh, okay. So we're going to have to wait and see which fairs are going to be, mm -hmm. you know, up and running next year, hopefully. Well, just up until last week, I had was preparing for the Affordable Art Fair in Hamburg, but then they canceled. One of my one of my galleries said, "Oh, that might be the one that doesn't cancel," but then they did. So, oh well, next year. See now, 
on that subject, because we both love talking about the business of art, um, isn't, I think this period has really proven that an artist has to, well, one, not rely on galleries and galleries definitely have a place in the art market. You know, I, I'm despite writing a book that says build an art career without a gallery. It's not about not having a gallery, but it's about understanding that this is just one aspect of your art business, your art career, one revenue stream and all those things. How, um, how, how have things been? Cause I know your, you know, your Instagram is phenomenal. Um, and you, you know, you're very proactive with your marketing as well. How have things since lockdown been for you? They've been very different. Um, you mentioned marketing. I'm learning so much about it myself. Um, I wouldn't say that's my forte, but I'm definitely learning. Um, Instagram is fun just because, I mean, all I know is you need to take good pictures, <laughs> tell a story. Um, so visual is fine for me, but, um, the marketing on other platforms has always been a bit of a challenge. Um, I redid my website from scratch, which, um, which is great, you know, just making it clean. I opened up a shop, which really was, it was just kind of necessary at this point because I had so many people asking me through Instagram, where can I buy this, that, and, you know, rather than sending them to different galleries all over, I have links to every gallery that has my work, but then I also have a selection of work myself. Um, my galleries promote me on um, First Dibs, Artsy, Artspur, all of those. And I know that those platforms have been doing quite well throughout the pandemic because people are at home all the time they want to buy art i know i've bought a lot of art yeah me since, too. Uh, yeah like the one right behind me I love <laughs> another one of my favorite artists but yeah I'm, I'm finding excuses to buy art all the time worth it i think i mean i think a lot of artists have done actually really well did you hear of artist support pledge uh yes i did yeah so i think that really encouraged a lot of artists to actually step out of their own comfort zone and say, look, I actually have artwork to sell. Whereas mm -hmm. before they'd just been, you know, it was like a showcase mm -hmm. on Instagram. And whereas finally they were actually asking for the sale and did pretty well out of it. Mm -hmm. From an artist's perspective, back to marketing, um, I have been forcing myself to step out of my comfort zone. Um, first, I learned how to create a website um, from scratch. Um, I've been invited to do several podcasts which is uncomfortable for me but i don't mind talking about my work because i'm so passionate about it um i've done several live chats and i have one scheduled for next week an instagram live there's there's so much that i'm doing that i normally wouldn't do that i highly recommend artists just do <laughs> you know get yourself out there somehow um, even if it's uncomfortable, it, it feels really good to overcome these, <laughs> these things too. But these Me are too. the sort of things that are becoming really important now for an artist. And most artists do like hiding behind their work. Um, some other things that have happened, I've been written about a lot recently. Um, I've had people reach out and interview me. Um, Lux Interiors, this beautiful high-end design magazine recently wrote about me and I just keep getting lots and lots of feedback and questions and inquiries and things like that. Um, 
Yeah, just it, it's such an honor and to be on your podcast, obviously. <laughs> I'm loving talking to you. And no, I totally agree. I think myself as well, you know, at the start of lockdown, I did not like going on stories. I didn't like talking to camera, all of that stuff. And I had to kind of force myself to get over it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, it just gets easier the more you do it. There's, there was always that aspect of really connecting with the artist that was missing. And now it's here. You can really get to know somebody. Who is this person that you're purchasing art from? And I, I in particular, really love connecting with my collectors. So I answer every single email I get, every single Instagram message I answer you know, very personally. It's, it's so important to me to connect with people in that way. And that was definitely missing before this. I think that is, yeah, such valuable advice, actually, that being responsive. I mean, I think people always want to be, but they get quite fearful as well. And I think that, again, comes with practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Betsy, what have you got coming up? As far as shows, I really don't have anything coming up um, for obvious reasons. However, 2021, I really do believe and, or hope that um, there'll be art fairs again, because those are really so much fun for me. I love the travel aspect. I love all the different types of people from all over coming to see your work in a three-day period. Um, for now, for me personally, I'm just working on lots of larger projects. I'm doing a lot more experimentation with different mediums, uh, the crystals and the spikes and adding different embellishments, things like that. Um, but yeah, working on larger pieces, um, just kind of trying new things. Brilliant. Do you have studio assistants or do you do everything by yourself? I do everything myself. Um, I do have a very small studio. So when I do larger works, I rent out either space or I'll rent out machinery because there's a lot of machinery involved in what I do, um, which I don't own, of course. Um, so those are things that I need to, um, to, to rent, but I don't have assistance. Um, honestly, I don't know if anyone would want to do the assistant work that I need. It's more like, you know, cleaning up dust and yeah, I wouldn't want somebody to do the sanding for me. I love that part. I wouldn't want somebody to, you know, get messy with all the inks and glitters and all that. Like that's all, I don't know. That's why, why would you be an artist if you have somebody else do the work for you? Oh, that's fair enough. It all sounds so playful. My God. Well, it sounds like it, but if you were really there watching me do it, it's sweaty, so much equipment. It's really quite uncomfortable. Um, but I just, I like the challenge. That's all. <laughs> well, I hope to see your work at fairs in Europe next year. If I don't make it over to the U S myself, Betsy, it has been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. The Curator's Salon hopes you enjoyed this production.